Welcome back to another episode of Crush and Lemons. As always, my name is Ryan and I'll be your host each episode. As the old saying goes, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Here on Crush and Lemons, we're dedicated to sharing the inspirational stories of our guests each week who've persevered through life's challenges. On today's episode, our special guest is Melissa, and she's going to share her story of what it was like going through a personal journey, exploring who she was, learning to love herself, and realizing that time alone isn't always a bad thing. And now it's time to sit back, relax, grab some lemonade, and join Melissa and I as she shares her lemon moments and how she was able to make her very own lemonade. So welcome back to another episode, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest, um, one of my good friends, Melissa, and I will let her introduce herself to start the episode. Hi, y'all. My name is Melissa Herlichka. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, I'm a third year student at a seminary in Chicago, and Ryan and I actually met in high school and have been friends ever since. Which we were just talking before we started recording. Where has the time gone? It feels like just yesterday we were little freshmen in high school, and now we're out in the big bad world trying to figure out how to be adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Went so fast. Well, let's just dive right in if you want to kind of set the scene and start sharing your story with our listeners, and we'll kind of go from there. My lemon moments was actually more like a year and a half of my life. It just felt like everything piled on at once, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of trauma and grief and loss. Um, It started, I think, in 2015. I was working at a church camp, and it was a church camp where I just really didn't fit Um, There were a lot of cliques. No one really liked me. No one really wanted um, to be friends with me, especially because I was more concerned about safety, it felt like, than everybody else was. So I was the the hard ass. Can I swear, Ryan? Um, Yes, you can can swear. (laughs) Um, If there's certain words that need to be beeped out, I will go and add a a lovely beep after the fact. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I was the the cabin leader that was always harping on the rules and wanted to make sure everyone was safe. But I also had the most um, safety training at the camp. I had my wilderness first aid training and I had wa- uh, wilderness water safety training. So I was often lifeguarding on some of our canoe trips, but I just didn't fit within that community. And I often spent my weekends alone just hiking and reading by myself because I had no one else to hang out with, which is hard in itself. But then let's add in that I almost drowned actually twice um, during the summer. I was leading a whitewater rafting trip. It was two-person canoes, and I got thrown from one of the canoes and got stuck and received no support from my cabin leader um, that was co-leading with me. And then it happened again a couple weeks after that, and I got stuck in a tree underwater, and there was water pushing my back, and I almost didn't make it out. I honestly should not have made it out, but I did. I really attribute that to the grace of God. We'll come back to that. Um, But I did make it out. But I was offered no places to process that and how much I had been hurt by the people that I was working with and these two like very traumatic moments. So then I go back to my junior year of college. And one of my classes, great class, great professors, but in silent meditation, for some reason, every time I would get those flashbacks to being in the water. And I to not feeling okay. And I just couldn't sit through class. And luckily I had really wonderful professors who allowed for like two mental health days. You could just email them and say, 
can't come in today. And they would just totally understand. You didn't have to give them any more reason than that. So I did take both of those and I would lay in bed watching New Girl, trying to laugh and like recenter myself in my own way before going back to my other classes. And that was really helpful. Also during college though, I was working three jobs through my junior year and senior year of college. I was a barista at, on campus. I was a resident assistant for a first year hall. And I was driving a half an hour, at least once a week, if not more, to another town to be a youth director, plus four classes, plus I was the leader of an organization on campus. So I was just spent, every morsel of energy I had was spent doing other things, plus trying to process the trauma of that summer. It was a lot all in one space. My father also struggles with diabetes and sometimes has problems with his feet and was in and out of the hospital for most of college. So there was a lot going on. Additionally, the self-discovery piece, um, I realized that I identify as bi. I also use the word queer to identify myself. Um, Bi means someone who's attracted to same and different genders. And I realized this identity really fit with who I was, who I am, and how I'm experiencing the world. But as I did more research and learned and read blogs about other people who identify as bi or queer, there's a lot of queer phobia and a lot of bi phobia in the world. People just don't understand why you can't pick a side, you know, like why aren't you straight or gay? Or once you date someone who is a woman, does that make you a lesbian now? So I was so afraid of being invalidated. I was so afraid of all of the phobias that I would experience from maybe even friends and family that I didn't come out. So I had that hidden within me as well. At the end of my junior year, I I was driving um, back home to see my grandpa in a concert. Um, He is this beautiful singer. He has this wonderful voice. um, And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. And I made it an hour away from Luther where I was going to college. And I totaled my car. I had... I didn't put enough coolant in the car, so it overheated, and then the battery died, and we couldn't get it jump-started. We couldn't cool it down, so a friend had to come pick me up and take me back to Luther. Lo and behold, that would be the last opportunity I would ever have to hear my grandfather sing, because in the beginning of my senior year of college, two days before I started classes, my grandparents were killed in a car accident. And I had to leave right away um, to go attend their funeral. So I missed uh, a day or two of classes. I went home for a weekend and was with them and then came back to school. And I honestly don't remember much of the month of September, even though like my birthday is in September. I know we did something. I can't remember it. I even recalling now, I can't remember all of the classes that I took that semester. Just the grief and was so heavy. And it hung around me and I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to say what I was feeling. And it just impacted everything that I did. Um, One of the few memories I have from that semester, not a great one, was trying to write my final paper and just sobbing because I was so exhausted and I didn't want to do it. And I remembered like, this is why people quit before they finish their dissertations. You know, this is why people give up at the end. you just have nothing left to give. And that's the point I was at. I was also waiting for a job at that time that spring when I um, 
was a youth director, they were looking to hire someone full time. So I was holding on to this one sliver of hope that I would get this job, which also at that time meant having a parsonage. They had extra parsonages, uh, which is where pastors normally live, but they only had one pastor and two parsonages. So they were going to offer the second parsonage to the youth director. So, and they kept telling me like, you got this job, you have it in the bank, like you are going to get this job. So I was banking on this job and housing for when I graduated at the end of January in 2017. And right at the last moment, um, a week before I was supposed to leave, they called me and told me that I didn't get the job, that they had offered it to someone else. And the reasons were really convoluted for it, but I respected it. So all of this mess of grief and trauma and being overworked and just exhausted made for the hardest year and a half of my life. I moved home unemployed and didn't know what I was going to do, but I made it. First off, I've got to say that is an incredible number of lemons that were repeatedly thrown your way time after time after time. And it takes a very strong person to be able to get through all of those even if at the time you felt like you were exhausted and you wanted to give up. Um, but the fact that we're sitting here today talking about it shows how truly strong you are. So looking back, what would you say was kind of your lowest point? Let's say when you were working at the camp and trying to figure out you, you felt kind of isolated alone. What would you say was your lowest point? I think the lowest point was right after, um, I was on the river. I was leading that trip was with 11 canoes. So 22 people in total. That's a lot to keep track of. Um, and I was the lifeguard in the back. And after I had gotten stuck in the tree and I popped out on the other side, I started yelling for my other guides and everyone else to pull over and no one did. So all that I had for the next four hours on that river was my canoe, which had all of the first aid gear as well and one other canoe of campers. And so for four hours, I had to go down the river, like holding everything in, holding my stuff together so that my campers could have a good experience still, even though like I had almost died and I didn't know what to do next. Four hours, I didn't have a map either, down the river, completely alone. And I at one point pulled over and like called my director to ask like, I don't have a map. Am I going the right way? This is the bridge. This is the street that I'm seeing. And he jokingly said, no, you're two miles off course. And I just started sobbing. And he was like, that was a joke. I'm so sorry. Keep going. You're going the right way. Um, so I found, met up with people later, but that was the hardest part was like being completely like alone and having to care for other people when I needed care myself. And even when I got back to um, where we were camping, one cabin leader was like, I need a break and walked away and I never saw her. And the other one felt so guilty that he had left me that I ended up com comforting him. So it was just more realization that like I had to do this on my own and that the support that I needed wasn't going to be here in this moment. Even when I got back to site, I like tried to talk to someone about it. And he was like, I don't have time. I'm too busy and left me to figure it out on my own. So like being alone normally at camp was hard, but after that event was even harder. I just had to fit, process it 
on my own. I didn't have support that I needed. That's a really difficult situation to be in, especially going through a traumatic experience like that, where it was literally near death to then not have the people who are supposed to be there to support you be there. So again, I, I commend you for being able to get through these repeat lemon moments and pulling through to where you are today. W one other thing is, I know you mentioned a lot of this, you were kind of, you felt like you were alone on your own. Was there anyone in your life throughout this period that you were able to like reach out to or was your rock throughout this, even if not physically there, but via technology or phone or things like that? Yeah. So this was a good learning experience for me and how to ask for help um, and realizing that people aren't going to notice that I'm struggling unless I say so. Um, and I have two really good friends. Um, I call them my platonic soulmates, Marissa and Amelia. And Marissa, she's so amazing. Um, she really helped me process through the canoeing adventure, as well as another friend, Audrey, who has canoed a lot. So she like really understood like what I had seen and what I had lived. So they were really there through it all um, in the semester, my senior year. When I was really struggling with the grief, um, Amelia was so wonderful because she unfortunately had lost her grandmother during college. So we had a lot of similar experiences that really just like bonded us together. Those two were so wonderful um, in helping me get through that year. And I wish I would have reached out to them sooner and asked for help sooner than I did. I also did, should name, I sought out counselors. Um, Luther College has some on-campus counselors that were free. So I saw one for two sessions and then they helped me find someone off campus and I saw them. Um, they weren't the best fits, but that was someone that I could just like, here's my story. I like need someone professional to listen to this and ask me good questions and also help me to like not get flashbacks in the middle of class or anytime I'm near a river anymore. Um, so those were really helpful as well. After talking to a variety of guests like I have throughout this show, that's kind of a, a common theme that I've heard from a good number of them is a realizing it's okay to ask for help. I feel like there's this kind of independence that we as humans have where we want to be able to do everything on our own, but you don't have to. And that's the thing people need to realize is there's always going to be somebody there in your life, whether you realize it or not that is willing to drop everything and come help you, but it takes you as an individual to ask for help to be able to kind of have that connection and realize people are there for you. I think for me, it was a lot of shame and admitting that I was weak. Um, I like to be the caretaker. I like to be the strong one, but someone else helped me reframe it too. Like I don't see someone asking me for help as weak. I don't look badly on someone asking me for help. So they, me asking for help, they're not going to see me that way. They're not going to see me as weak. They're going to see me as a friend who needs them and they are willing to be there. So reframing is really helpful too. If you don't see people as weak when they ask you for help, they won't see you as weak when you ask for help. And that's a great point that I've never even thought of. Um, cause I, I mean, I can relate to that. I, I feel like I'm kind of the the similar role with some of my friends as people come to me for help or advice and things like that. But I never think badly of them. But I too struggle at times where I know I need to overcome something or I'm trying to uh, 
accomplish something, but I'm too stubborn to ask for help. That's something I even need to remind myself of as I'm going through um, different things. And even after talking to so many people and hearing this time and time again, it sometimes it's hard to ingrain it in ourselves that it's okay to ask for help. Now that we've kind of talked about some of those lemon moments that were thrown your way and we've sort of kind of started transitioning, let's jump right into kind of the positive lemonade that you've been able to learn and grow throughout this experience. Yeah. So what I learned and what helped me through those experiences was like I talked about finding friends, getting counseling, um, getting that support I needed. I've also gotten really, well, not really good. I've gotten better at drawing more boundaries and learning how to say no so that I'm not taking on every job, every project, every event, every party, everything that comes my way, just being able to say, nope, I don't have time for this today. Or just being able to say no without giving a reason that I can't be there, whatever it is. Um, And it's not because my time is filled. It's just because I need a night to myself. And also, my friends and I use the phrase, like, how many spoons do you have? Spoons being, like, how much energy do you have? It's also used a lot in the disability community. And I'll ask them sometimes, like, hey, I had a hard day. Do you have the spoons to talk about it today? So I'm also allowing the people to set those boundaries, me as well. And if they say, I don't have spoons today, but I have time tomorrow. Great. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Um, And they do the same with me. Like if I don't have the energy, I say, I don't have the spoons today, but another day I will like gladly sit with you through whatever you are going with. So boundaries have been really helpful and I'm continually learning how to do those. Also, because I was in solitude so much during camp, I've really learned to love my own company. I love being on my own, exploring on my own, feeding, like cooking for myself, all of that. I really have grown to love that. Um, As I've moved a lot in the last seven years, I'm the one thing that stays consistent. I leave a lot of people behind. I meet new people. I'm leaving others behind, but I'm the one thing that remains consistent. So I found home within myself and have really grounded myself in that. Also, I've started a a spiritual practice of every year before the start of the school year, since I'm still in like a very academic lifestyle with grad school, I write myself a little letter, a little motivational letter, and I hide it somewhere in my office. And I can return to it when days get hard or when friends don't have spoons to talk to me. I can always reread these words that I've written And that's really been helpful. So loving my own company and my own solitude and the motivational words that I have for myself has been really helpful. And then, like I said, I found my people, Amelia and Marissa, I still talk to uh, daily. I find people in seminary and everywhere that I've gone. And what also going back to that story of uh, realizing that I'm bi, what helped me to come out was my year of volunteer service. I lived with seven other amazing, wonderful, impressive, phenomenal women. The accolades could go on. I love them so much. Um, But a couple of them in the house were also by women and they just openly from day one talked about what it's like to be by in the world and how they had those hard conversations with their families and what it's like to date, like all of these things that I didn't know yet. And seeing them live that out confidently is what gave me the confidence to come out to them and to come out to other friends and then eventually come out to my family. And now um, I'm a part of an organization called Proclaim, which is for people in the Lutheran church who identify as queer and are going to be 
pastors or chaplains. And I'm in this group. So that means I'm openly saying to the church that I'm bi, I'm queer, and I'm here and ready to serve. So it's been a lot of growth in that. And I'm like, I'm smiling right now. Y'all can't see it, but it makes me really proud um, that I've come that far. I feel like you've touched on a lot of really important topics there in kind of that explanation. One of them being self-love and self-care. And it takes a long time for some people um, to realize that it's okay to spend time alone and have that inner reflection and really figure out what it is you want or what you need to be happy. I feel like in, in our day and age today, there's so many things to distract us. And those distractions are a way to ignore kind of our, our self-care and our self-need by, ooh, let me go get this shiny thing, or let me post on social media and see how many likes I can get, or create this kind of veil of illusion of, oh, my life is so awesome, but they're not taking the time for that self-care and that that time to reflect and really embrace who they are. So I love that you're willing to share that with us and our listeners um, as a, a prime example of going through something difficult, letting yourself heal and go through that kind of personal transformation to be to a point where you are comfortable with who you are and you do enjoy your own company along the way. So you've been through a lot in the past couple of years. If there if there was somebody who was having repeated lemons dropped into their life, kind of like you were, what kind of advice or uh, piece of knowledge would you want to share with them of kind of how you overcame it and, and what really got you to where you are? I think my first piece of advice, um, if you're going like having a lot of lemons thrown at you, go drink a bottle of water and take a nap. Just go take care of those physical needs that you've probably been neglecting eat a snack too, just like take care of your physical body um, and give it rest because you've probably been running on empty for so long that you don't even realize that you are running on empty. Um, in college, in my story, I was so sleep deprived. I maybe got three to five hours of sleep every night. Um, so a nap would have done me some real good. Secondly, um, seek out counselors, spiritual directors, therapists, whatever, even a pastor, um, or another clergy member, um, depending on your religious tradition, there are so many options and there are people who will charge you on a sliding scale. So you can pay what you can afford. Better help is also an online resource. That's really great as well. That's also on a sliding scale that you can afford, but seeking someone who has no personal agenda is just to support you and listen to you. Um, and really give you that space is amazing. With that though, if someone's not a great fit, be willing to like walk away and find a new therapist or a new spiritual director, whoever it is. And um, just make sure you're getting that support you need. Um, and we've talked about falling in love with yourself, taking yourself on little dates, giving yourself words of affirmation, self-care and self-love can also look like the hard stuff that no one wants to do, like doing your laundry and making your bed um, and sweeping your kitchen not just the bathtubs with candles and wine. Um, it's some of the hard stuff that no one wants to do either. Uh, say no, create those boundaries. Don't let people keep emotionally using you. If you're a giver, if you give a lot of your time to other places, be willing to say no to that as well and find your people. 
just keep, they are out there. I swear they're out there. Um, you will find them. Keep looking. You don't have to do this alone, even when it feels like you do. And the other thing I will add in there is, <clears throat> so part of college has really uh, radicalized me to like what is happening in our world. And I also want to recognize that some of the lemons that we go through in our lives are way out of our control and they are created by bigger systems of oppression that just keep beating us down again and again and again. In my life, I've experienced a lot of sexism being told that you can't have this job because you're a woman or a lot of, um, homophobia and biphobia, like I mentioned, like, especially now that I'm preaching more, being told you can't preach that from the pulpit or don't tell anybody in this church that you're queer. I've had that a lot. But I also realized in college that it was just so expensive that I had to work those three jobs and in order to do it. But now I would love to like see in the world things that would make those systems of oppression or things that make our world and life a lot harder go away. So I would love to see eventually maybe uh, like free tuition, universal healthcare, abolishing the prison system, totally defunding and reforming the police system, the end of white supremacy, homophobia, sexism, the list could go on. But that's what I do as well. Now that I'm in a better place and that I've worked through some of those lemons. And if you find yourself in a good place too, to do this is helping to remove those forms of oppression that give people lemons so that we can live our lives to the fullest. Yeah, those are what I was thinking of. Well, and in line with that, there sometimes people forget there's a difference between surviving and actually living your life. So like you said, if we can create opportunities for people to truly live their life and not have to worry about survival, it could make every place much better um, for everybody. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, with that, there's nothing else you have to add. I don't think so. It's been great telling the story, and I hope uh, people find some value in it. Well, if our listeners want to follow along with your journey or connect with you, is there any kind of social media or a place they could go to reach out to you? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot Herlichka, H-R-D. L-I-C-K-A. Yeah, it's a profile picture of a woman in a baseball cap. Um, That's me. You can follow me there and send me a message. I'll be happy to chat about what I've been through. Well, and like always, we will put a link to your Instagram in the description of the podcast. So anybody who's listening, if they do want to reach out and connect with you, it'll be very easy for them to do along the way. Again, I really want to thank you for taking time out of your day and sharing this very personal extended multiple lemon moments um, and hopefully inspire some people who may be in a similar situation where they're getting these hurdles and challenges thrown at them repeatedly and hearing from you knowing that eventually there is ways there are ways to overcome these and ultimately find lemonade out of these difficult situations well thank you again thank you ryan this was great As always, thanks for joining us for another episode of Crush and Lemons, and a big shout out to Melissa for sharing her story, which will hopefully help others who may be struggling with similar situations. If you want to learn more about this podcast, check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Crush and Lemons, and send us a tweet with ideas for future episodes. And if you or someone you know would be interested in being one of our future guests, send us a note to crushandlemons at gmail.com. 
Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with someone you know and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming service you've listened to today. It really helps us grow. If you're dealing with your own lemon moment, just remember you're never alone. There's always other people out there who've gone through similar things. We look forward to sharing more stories with you in the future. In the meantime, keep an ear out for when our next episode drops and work to turn your lemon moments into your very own lemonade.